Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, joined always by my man, Lucas Kaser, and you are tuned into the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel at the Candlestick Kids, leave a rate and review anywhere you're listening to your podcast, and follow us on IG at FantasyFootball underscore TCK Pod, and on Twitter at TCK underscore Pod. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. All right, TCK Potters, we are back. Happy Tuesday. This week is running back week. We're going to jump into our running back schedules for fantasy football. If you have not yet, please dial it back to last week's episodes for the quarterback scheduling, the quarterback rankings, and a super flex mock draft that we did this week. We are going to do the scheduling for fantasy football for running backs today. Tomorrow, we're going to jump through our rankings. And then on Thursday, we're going to get into a running back heavy mock draft as well to see how our team looks. I know Lucas likes that strategy, regardless of formatting this week uh, and this year. Lucas, how you feeling, man? And are you ready to get into some running back scheduling? I am. I'm ready to go through a um, little bit of a preview why Derrick Henry might rush for 3,000 yards and while we're all in on the Ravens. Ooh, snap. Love it. All right, man, let's jump right into it. We, we previewed kind of how we're going to jump into this uh, during the quarterback segment. So I'm going to kind of save a lot of that because we've got a lot more to get into with running backs than we did on the quarterback episode. Um, but in short, the formatting of this episode is we're going to break down the 10 easiest fantasy football uh, schedules for running backs, the 10 toughest, and that's season long. We're going to discuss what that means and who that pertains to. And then we're going to go a little bit deeper on the first four weeks of the season, who has the easiest first four weeks, who has the toughest first four weeks. And when we get to that second half, kind of break down why it matters that we microscope in on the first four weeks with running backs specifically, we could start talking about handcuffs. Lucas, I know that you've done a little bit of studying on playoff schedules and things as well, which could be totally different. To dial it back very quickly, we talked about Daniel Jones uh, and um, Deshaun Watson was another name we brought up, who do not have favorable schedules as quarterbacks for the first four weeks of the fantasy uh, season. But in the back half during the playoffs, they have very favorable schedules. Now, Lucas made the point last time that you have to make the playoffs to worry about the playoffs. I totally agree with you. So that might be a reason to pass on a quarterback when you draft them. And if they struggle, they might end up on waivers and you pick them up for free later on. That could also happen with running backs. So let's dive right into this, man. I'm going to jump into the 10 easiest running back fantasy schedules. I'm just going to run down the list from easiest uh, to you know, middle tier a little bit with the top 10, and then we'll talk about them and jump into the top uh, 10 toughest. So the easiest schedule for running backs this year, the Los Angeles football chargers, they also have the easiest passing schedule as well. We talked about that in length. Uh, next up is the Chicago Bears overall on the season. Uh, then we have the Minnesota Vikings, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, then we have the New Orleans Saints. Um, we also have the Indianapolis Colts in there as well. From these teams, you know, what, what, uh, a lot of these have kind of two back committees. There's very few bell cows nowadays in fantasy football. How do you feel about some of these schedules and, and, and some of these teams where we're looking at 
maybe drafting two of these players per team. Yeah, I think, and we showed that in our last mock draft uh, last Thursday that there is the opportunity to do that as of now due to ADPs. I don't, I don't know what it's going to be like come June. I have a feeling that guys like Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor might swap spots in terms of ADP. They might even out J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram, on Johnson, DeAndre Swift. The list goes on and on. Even um, the Bills backfield and Singletary and Zach Moss. I think that as of now, you can capitalize on that if you are doing your redraft drafts or best ball or whatever you're doing but I think that to me on this list because there's a lot of things that go into like yes easiest running back fantasy schedules but there's a lot more things that will break down throughout this but I think these kind of sort of solidified my rankings if you will in terms of where I have like Eckler I kind of like feel safe where I had him where I didn't know if it was too high or Dave Montgomery I feel safe where I have him Kamara I have him locked in as my three uh things like that so I think we'll we'll break down more in depth as to why maybe some of the guys benefit more than the others. Cause easiest fantasy schedule can mean many, many different things when you look in context right now, but we'll break it down going into this episode. Cool. And again, I'm going to break down the top 10 uh, one more time here. So it's the chargers and this is from, from easiest on. So the chargers, the Buccaneers, the Broncos, uh, the bears. Let's see here. The Miami dolphins, which could be nice. There for uh, newcomer um, Jordan Howard and, and Matt Breida. Uh, the Colts behind maybe the best offensive line in the league. Um, Josh Jacobs and the Raiders. The Jets, the Saints, and then the Minnesota Vikings. So from all those teams, I mean, we have a lot of bell cow running backs already. I mean, we've got Dalvin Cook in there. We've got uh, uh, um, Alvin Kamara, of course. Le'Veon Bell, if you consider him um, that. Uh, but we also have a couple – up-in-the-air situations that look pretty good on paper with that number one. So, of course, we have the Chargers. We have Austin Eckler. We have Josh Kelly, who they just drafted from UCLA. We got my boy Justin Jackson, who I know that we like a lot. Uh, took a little bit of a hit with Joshua Kelly coming in, but I like him a lot there. Um, and then we look at the Bears situation. I think DeMont could take a, a huge jump. We got your Broncos with Melvin Gordon and um, Lindsey. I just mentioned the, the Dolphins. We've got the uh, Buccaneers with Rojo and Keyshawn Vaughn, who I know that you and I kind of have differing opinions on. Um, but, you know, with the Raiders and, and Josh Jacobs, that's a huge opportunity again. So with the first four weeks, um, let's, let's maybe, you know, jump into that situation where, like, the scheduling for running backs overall on a full season is kind of tough to take into consideration. You're right, because guys get hurt every single season. Guys lose their jobs. Guys like Leonard Fournette or Le'Veon Bell might have, you know, nearly, you know, 250, 300 touches, but they only get one to three touchdowns, which completely skews their numbers, of course, as well. But what we can zoom in on a little bit more is the first four weeks of the season. And this is relevant to drafting specifically uh, because, you know, there's some more teams here that we haven't mentioned because they don't have a top 10 schedule overall um, on the season, but they do in the first four weeks. So I'm going to say maybe the, the toughest schedules overall will maybe do the toughest and then the toughest four weeks and we'll clump them together this time as well. We'll stick on the easiest schedule for the first half here. So diving into the first four weeks, we have the easiest schedule, New England Patriots, and we have the Bears, the Seahawks, the 49ers, the Saints, the Cowboys, the Bengals, the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Packers. So right off the bat, we have the five-headed monster with the New England Patriots. How do you feel about, you know, Sony Michelle, who's not sexy in fantasy, certainly better for you in non-PPR formats, 
But then James White, who is pretty much only PPR formats, Jared Stidham coming in, essentially a rookie quarterback in that system, uh, maybe a lot of dump downs. How do we feel about the New England backfield that is otherwise a mess, but do you feel good about Sony because of this easy, easy schedule, or do you maybe lean toward uh, James White, or is it completely dependent on format? Yeah, I think that we'll see um, kind of along the lines of the easiest four weeks. They're actually number two in rush efficiency defense. It is basically uh, – it kind of sounds like the defenses are really good, but it's the opposite because they have the easier schedules of the Dolphins, Seattle, the Raiders, and the Chiefs. So what I think we're going to see is with Stidham – I mean, Miami's – I don't want to say it's a cakewalk. It's a team to get better, but I think they're just going to try and slow the game down. They have an easy rushing schedule, and I know Belichick's going to use that to his advantage. I think Michelle will see above right around 20 carries a game, kind of like what we saw Dave Montgomery. So I'm not excited for Sony Michelle in terms of like fantasy people on my team, fantasy player to draft. But I think that you can feel confident in taking him at his current ADP. I don't think that it's going to, I can't imagine it's anything higher than like Raheem Mostert. I would, I would say that's probably like the cutoff of terms of where he might be going, maybe even below cream hunt guy like that. Guys like that. So he's going to be probably the cheapest workhorse, if you will, back that you can get. So I think it just makes it um, less scary, you could say, um, or just more confident in those 20 touches. If that amounts to anything, it could be 20 touches for 80 yards and you're capped at that. But I think that the O-line is coming back there, banged up last year. If they play good rush or bad rush efficiency defenses, meaning Sony goes for five yards a carry, I think that he'll just start to gain steam. So I don't mind that at all. And then along the same lines, the next one is the Bears. Literally the same conversation for Dave Montgomery. They didn't add anything. He's going to get 20 touches a game. So I think there's just a good uh, availability to go like a zero RB strategy maybe in drafts. Or maybe you get a really safe flex piece in Sonny Michelle. Maybe even James White too. We didn't really even talk about him. I think that the Jarrett Stidham sort of experiment might lead to James White getting five, six catches a game. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're going to do because they do have a lot of receiving weapons there still, like in terms of Demir Bird, Julian Edelman, Muhammad Sanu, Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers, now two new tight ends. I don't really know what's going to happen in terms of the market share, but I think all three of those guys, Montgomery, Michelle, and White are going to be, I don't know, I don't like flexes. I don't see, I like Dave Montgomery as an RB2, but I just don't see the huge upside in terms of him capitalizing on next year. And I think it's just the situation of what the Bears are, to be honest. Yeah, let's see. I'm going to take a quick look at my rankings here. We're going to do a rankings episode, of course, tomorrow. But just a sneak peek here. Uh, David Montgomery, I've got at 20. James White, I've got at 21. And Sony Michelle in full PPR leagues is more of an RB3 for me. And again, that just has to do with he's not going to catch the ball. Um, I do think that uh, everybody's going to get fed in New England. I don't. I don't think Jared Sidham's a bad quarterback by any means. And, of course, we can bring Kamish, uh, you know, uh, Chris of the Kamish on here to, uh, to defend his boy in New England. But I think, um, honestly, just Belichick likes to run the ball anyway. And Tom Brady was just incredibly efficient and obviously in the conversation of best of all time with limited weapons. I'm not sure that Jared Sidham's going to be able to do as much with as little in New England. So I could, I could see New England really just trying to slow down the clock and run the shit out of the ball and play great defense to eke out, you know, 10 wins or whatever uh, this season. So I like the running backs there. Uh, I actually like Demont to take a big step up. Next up is Seattle, San Francisco. Um, you know, Chris Carson, Raheem Mostert. Chris Carson, I like a lot on paper, but that injury, man, the hip injury, the more and more we go through the summer, the more we hear about usually optimistic Pete Carroll, um, you know, coming up saying that he's not 
100% in on him. They brought in Devonta Freeman already. Carlos Hyde is still out there. Lamar Miller's still out there. Sure, they all have their question marks, but a veteran, I think, is going to end up in Seattle and Philadelphia, which is going to hurt both of these uh, Miles Sanders and um, Chris Carson guys. So pumping the brakes a little bit on Chris Carson there just because I think that, you know, as they are run heavy, I do think they loosen the reins on Russell Wilson a little bit this year, and I'm not 100% sure that Chris Carson is just going to be able to get as much work, although that first four weeks, I do like the schedule there. Um, at Atlanta, 24th against the run. Um, at New England, no good. I don't like that at all. But then Dallas and Miami, the next couple of games, I like that a lot. So he can make it. Raheem Mostert, I think, is going to be awesome. Right now, I think, honestly, he's a steal. Uh, you and I have done a handful of mock drafts. Uh, and we have a dynasty league that we're part of that we'll be jumping into pretty soon where you and I are actually trying to scoop up Raheem Mostert if we can, even though it might just be a, a two or three-year rental. Right now I've got him at RB24 in PPR because, again, I just – with Jerick McKinnon healthy-ish, he's probably going to be the pass catching back. But if McKinnon goes down again soon, which he could, or early in the season before drafts, um, Raheem Moser could easily be, you know, a back end or, or a top RB too, I should say, uh, for myself. I like him a lot. And that schedule is awesome. Versus Arizona, who got run over all last year. Uh, the Jets, the Giants, Philadelphia is going to be tough, but I like that a lot to see what happens. Not much to say about Alvin Kamara and Zeke, uh, other than to say both of them get a boost. Uh, Mixon as well, um, five, six, and seventh best schedules against the run. So all those guys just get another tick in the top six or seven. Um, let's talk really quick about the Buffalo Bills, man. Singletary and Moss, I know we've talked about it a little bit, but they have the eighth best schedule for running backs. And then we have the Miami Dolphins, who generally outside of maybe a Kenyon Drake flyer over the years, nobody's been taking Dolphins, but they got Jordan Howard who's not sexy, but he is efficient. They also have my boy Matt Breida, who is able to break an 80-yard run at any time there with 4-4 speed. And then the Packers crowded backfield, but the 10th best option. Are we going to believe in uh, Aaron Jones here? Do we think A.J. Dillon's going to take away that goal line work? And are they going to get Jamal Williams more involved as they have in the past? So a lot to unpack here. Let's talk about the Bills, the Dolphins, and Green Bay Packers, and then we'll move on to the toughest schedules. Yeah, so I think one thing we probably forgot to mention too before we go into it is when you look at these schedules and you evaluate rush efficiency, explosive run, defense, whatever, make sure you keep in the back of your mind the game script, the projected game script of these games because we can pump up, I don't know, just for example, like uh, David Montgomery, all we want, but they could easily be losing every game between, I'm not going to say easily, but Detroit, the Giants, Atlanta, and the Colts. So like you have to keep that in the back of your mind because I think everyone thinks about that in season per like, they'll be like, Oh, this running back's going to be behind. Let's not play him. But when they evaluate it in the draft, I don't think anyone takes that into account as well. So on the sharp football stats, you can find uh, the strength of schedule based on projected win totals, which I'll bring up when we get to the respective position. But I just want to keep that in the back of your mind. If you are listening. Good but yeah. When he comes down to these just crowded, I, I don't know. These, these backfields are gross. I'm, Getting a little bit lower on Mostert, too. I'll probably still have him in a couple, but Coleman and McKinnon, the mix of the two undrafted free agents that I think are capable of making the team just kind of scare me a little bit. Seattle, I – the thing with Seattle is everyone thinks Rashad Penny's done because he's injured, but everyone somehow neglects to think that Chris Carson didn't get injured either. And he said that, they said that he they think he will be ready for week one. So everyone's, like, pumping him up like he's this workhorse back like they do all the time. Without taking into context, DJ Dallas, Travis Homer's still there who got carries in the playoffs. They literally said they might bring back beast mode. Now they're trying to go get Devontae. They offered Devontae Freeman. He said no. 
They're trying to get Carlos high. They, all, they're going to have someone eventually. I think it might be Lamar Miller or Shady, to be honest. One of them lower, you could say, money commander guys, I guess. But, yeah, I'm just going to stay away from Seattle's backfield anyways. It's nice when you have the workhorse, but who is the workhorse? Rashad Penny comes back. He's going to get carries. DJ Dallas is going to get carries. The list goes on and on. So I'll probably just get rid of them out of my draft board just in general. Buffalo, it's tough because I, I like Moss. I think Moss is a better running back in general, but I don't think they're going to neglect Singletary's passing volume that he had last year. Um, I don't know if that's going to be like he's the Alvin Kamara to Moss Latavius Murray. They said Frank Gore role, but Moss can do so much more than Frank Gore could the last couple of years. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I think that Singletary, I'm going to lead into Jones, Aaron Jones too. I think those two might, as of now, it's looking like don't draft them. Like ADP's not it. But I think we'll see a slow sort of, like I said, the rookies are going to rise. Like every non-invested person you could say is going to be like, oh, Jonathan Taylor, like draft him over Aaron Jones. I mean, I have a layer over Jones anyways. But like stuff, like it's going to flip. Um, it takes time, but it will flip come – even August, if you draft in August or whenever you draft. So I think Jones and Singletary could be good values because I think the touchdown upside, as much as we'll talk about regression, I'm already working on all that stuff. Like it's going to regress to probably still a good value for where they're going. So I don't mind those guys at all. And those teams are going to be two of the better teams in the NFL. So like, obviously if they're good, they're going to be scoring touchdowns. So I don't mind them. AJ Dillon, I would probably just stay away from. I can't imagine him having any more than like a Jordan Howard role without the touchdown work because Jones is going to be the goal line, not goal line, but the red zone back. So I don't really know what's going to happen there. But overall, there's a lot of backfields that I think everyone knew was coming. But now that it's here is like, oh, gosh, I don't know what to do with them or they're just freaking out in general. Yeah, that's interesting. I would kick back actually a little bit on Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I don't think A.J. Dillon's going to cut into Aaron Jones's work significantly in between the 20s. Uh, but in the red zone, maybe not in the red zone, let's say in the – five to 10 and definitely like the goal line. I do think that they could just bring in AJ Dillon. Um, not that Aaron Jones can't get it done. He clearly was very efficient last year, but first of all, let's not forget Aaron Rodgers is not Aaron Rodgers of five years ago. We all know that, but he's still Aaron Rodgers. And for many, many years, Aaron Rodgers would throw on the goal line, right? Quick slants, um, you know, fade routes, whatever. I mean, he's got Devontae Adams, who's one of the best contested catch it, contested catch receivers in the league. They have a mind meld uh, for sure. Jay Sternberger, um, he has a hand, you know, Devin Funches is now there. He's a huge body. So they might be throwing on the goal line a little bit more also. But I just, you know, that this Derrick Henry comp, I know it's not exactly, you know, apples to apples kind of a thing, but – it's like a good version of apples to oranges, I think. I mean, if, if, if um, Aaron Jones is going to be taking them all the way down the field, I think Matt LaFleur could be bringing in the guy that might be have the fresh legs, the bigger body, the better ground and pound. And to me, I think that A.J. Dillon could accidentally get six touches or six touchdowns this year on like 150 rush yards mm -hmm. just because he can, he can maybe pound it in there. So – where do you sit with Aaron Jones really quick? Again, we're going to dive into rankings tomorrow so we can fine tune that. But like just in general, is Aaron Jones uh, top 10 for you? Is he top 15, top 20? Roughly, where do you feel about Aaron Jones? Because right now, man, I go in between like RB 10 and RB, you know, 18 <laughs> pretty frequently. Yeah. As of now, and like my fresh, he's 14 right now. Mm. Um, I've, got him, have... I've got him at 16. So we're about right there. 
Yeah, he he is in like my tier five of Gurley, Chris Carson, Lev Bell, James Conner. I have a layer over him. I have Sanders. I have Kenyon Drake and Jacobs, um, then Eckler up above. I mean, I I get that they drafted Dylan, but they said they're going to be more run heavy, so that means more opportunities for Aaron Jones. They'll probably as much as like Jamal Williams will be there, but they might even cut him to be honest, because they have, they don't need the three backs. They never had. Like, I remember games where I think it was, like, Jamal Williams got hurt and they were running, like, their fullback, like, Robert Tanya in the backfield because they just don't hold depth at the position. Yeah. So, we'll see how that plays out. I don't know. I think that he'll, st- he'll take a step up in the passing game. I think that, yeah, he had a lot of touchdowns, but a lot of them didn't come from inside the five, if I remember right, looking at the numbers. So, that means that if – like, they're not going to get the ball to A.J. Dillon on the 20-yard line. Like, no. they would be pointless. So, we'll kind of, I'll have to do more research and kind of see how I feel. Yeah, but I would I would rather draft him over Gurley, Chris Carson. They're just injury prone. Uh, James Conner, and probably Love Bell too. So I just think it's it's kind of in a weird spot. But if I would have the choice, I would rather not draft him. I would take the guys above him and then get a receiver where he's going. But it's just uh, he could easily be a sort of buy low or a fantasy football ADP value you could say for this year. In dynasty, I think he's actually a buy low because I mm-hmm. think he's the type of running back. He's still young. He's obviously shown his ability to do it. I just think the Packers are looking at more of a, a, a committee backfield. If Aaron Jones were to somehow end up off the team next year, uh, he, he might find another contract somewhere else uh, and get another opportunity. So right now, you know, I mean, there's a lot of hype on him, so you're not going to buy him low per se. But there are people who are nervous about his situation. So you might be able to throw some floaters out there for him, uh, potentially in Dynasty. And I just, in redraft, I'm a little bit spooked because I'm going to have to scoop him in probably back of the second, maybe the third round. And I just think that there's other value there with at receiver for sure. Even Kelsey or Kittle, if you want to go that way, even Mahomes or, or Jackson, if you want to go that round too. So I just feel like overall drafting, I think Aaron Jones is going to fall for me in preference, like a fourth round pick. And I just don't think there's any way in redraft that he's yeah. going to end up in the fourth round. So I don't see myself uh, capitalizing on him, unfortunately, uh, as much as I love him as a player, not too much in the situation right now. Um, I'm going to dive into one more player on this. Just get your thoughts really quick on Joe Mixon. We talked quite a bit about the Bengals um, and Joe Burrow. And the reason I bring this up is Joe Mixon has the seventh best, uh, seventh easiest running back schedule for fantasy, but the Bengals have the 28th, so the third worst, or fourth worst, I should say, uh, passing for fantasy. So I think that affects Joe Burrow out of the gate. I think the Bengals are going to be excellent midseason on. I think they're going to be one of the better franchises moving forward, actually, in just a year or two. Uh, but this particular season for redraft, I think Mixon, you know, is he's comfortably my number six right now. I can't put him into the into the top five, but is there e- any reason that he would not be in in the top six running backs for you? Uh, and especially given this seventh easiest running back schedule, I just hear mixed feelings on Joe Mixon. So I want to hear from you real quick. Yeah, he's my seven, and I might honestly move Eckler ahead of him. I have Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook ahead of him. I don't know. It's tough because I mentioned the win totals, and I think this is one where it kind of plays into it because if they're in negative game script, like I'm not saying they're not going to get the ball to Mixon, but we saw him give the ball to Mixon in a negative game script last year because Ryan Finley was not bringing them back in games yeah. along with Alec, Alec Erickson and Tyler Boyd. Like it just wasn't happening. So I think that it's tough because as of now, they're 22nd in terms of strength of schedule based on like Vegas win totals for this upcoming year. And I'm looking at the schedule. There's one, two, there's five games in the green, which is like below average or above average. If you're like looking at the teams they're playing aren't that great. 
but then there's a lot of games like in the middle. So like the Browns twice, the Chargers twice, the Titans or Chargers once, sorry, Titans, Colts, Steelers twice. So it's kind of hard to gauge. I think if they're losing, we we haven't seen the receiving production of Adam Mixon, and I know everyone's like, if he unlocks it, but he hasn't unlocked it for three years. You would think Ryan Finley would get the ball to Joe Mixon a little bit more. Giovanni Bernard's still there, so I don't know. It's tough, but I think you have to rank him higher because we've seen what he can do with 20 touches on the ground. It's good enough to get him top 10 work every week. So I think it'll be between him and Eckler because Chubb's a step lower just because he's not going to get passing work. I have Josh Jacobs all the way down at 13 because he's going to see virtually no passing work now. So I don't know. It's tough. Josh Jacobs Jacobs will be an interesting conversation because I know there's a lot of people who have got him significantly higher as well. So that'll be, that'll be interesting. And I I actually, I've been statting out kind of the win loss totals on my own, uh, you know, reading along with Vegas, of course, but then kind of doing my own uh, wins and loss totals. And actually uh, in, um, in plotting the Bengals, I've actually got them at eight and eight, which I know is, you know, somewhat uh, optimistic, but, Late season, they get at Miami, they get Pittsburgh at home late, and they get at Houston later in the season. I think those are three games that they could maybe sneak away with with potential situations. Like if James Conner goes down or if Tua comes in and he's not quite ready, they don't have much of a, a defense yet, and then they got Houston. If some of those receivers go down, they could be in trouble too. So just kind of thinking big picture, I think there's, there is a chance that the Bengals could potentially go 500 this season and surprise everybody after going 2-14 and 14 last year. But if that's the case, I do think that they have some positive game scripts within this situation. So I'm, I'm pretty confident with having Joe Mixon at number six I feel really good about that I actually feel better with him at six than I do with Aaron Jones at 16 I've got Josh Jacobs all the way at number nine um so we can certainly talk about that as well so there's going to be some uh, interesting debates here uh, on tomorrow's episode with our with our rankings and such so that will be uh, that will be fun to, to break down so all right those are the easiest schedules so overall again the easiest four weeks Fantasy football running backs, we have the Patriots, the Bears, the Seahawks, the 49ers, the Saints, the Cowboys, the Bengals, the Bills, Dolphins, and the Packers. So, again, I think if you're considering these guys already, I would give them a boost. And as far as rankings go, I was thinking about this for the boost. I might give them, like, a spot, you know, maybe two based on, like, early season schedule and not – much more than that on schedule alone, because again, anything can happen. Uh, you know, defenses can get better or worse quickly with an injury or something like that. So um, I do want to kind of like temper expectations, but I absolutely think it's something to consider. And especially when you're looking at, you know, maybe Singletary or Jordan Howard, even Aaron Jones, potentially Chris Carson, uh, David Montgomery, if you're looking at what are these guys going to do for me right off the bat, the first four weeks are going to really tell the story for most of the season with running back specifically. So when you draft them, if they're not producing in the first four weeks, I would look to sell them before it's too late. If they are producing in the first four weeks, I would look to uh, potentially go ahead and, and make a bid on them for trade. So those are the top running back schedules that you would be targeting and I would be targeting. And let's uh, jump into the toughest schedules for running back as well. And before we do that, I want to encourage uh, people listening into the podcast to please go ahead and uh, leave a, make sure to subscribe to the uh, YouTube channel if you haven't already and leave us a comment as well. Uh, we've having 
more people. We just started the YouTube channel just a few weeks ago. We've having more people find us on YouTube and then go and follow us and, uh, and participate on Twitter and Instagram. So we appreciate you people uh, coming in to find us and finding us on all the channels. So thank you for the support. And likewise, we've been having people from IG and Twitter now tune into the YouTube page to like, actually find out, you know, what the fuck we look like <laughs> and also just kind of like follow along that way. So you can so you can view it as you're going about the rest of your day. So if you're in that, you're the podcast life, please find us on the YouTube channel, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a rate and review on the podcast. And of course you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at uh, fantasy football underscore TCK pod on IG and TCK pod underscore uh, TCK um, on the Twitter page. All right, man, let's jump into the, flip side of this. So we just talked about the easiest schedules. What, to what extent do you actually get spooked completely from a player depending on having a tough schedule? I'm going to rally up the toughest schedules here coming up for fantasy, but overall, how much do you actually take this into consideration to fully not draft a player based on schedule? Yeah, I think that it comes down to, I think the big thing is the game script because I mean, I know the, the the top guy will go ahead. It's Saquon Barkley in terms of the data we pulled for for these um, strength of schedules. But like, I'm not okay. Obviously, I'm not saying that his upside's not there, but he's going to get volume, which is fantasy points. So I think when it comes down to the game script, maybe a mixture of the game script and the volume. Um, I don't know. It's tough because, like I said, these are indicators, not decision makers. So it helps a little bit when it's an easy schedule because that's all. If we like the guy already that's only going to help him with that touches be more efficient. Now with the toughest schedule, it's going to take what the projected volume is, and they're going to have to do more than what we think to produce where we want them to be, if that makes sense. So like we can just start off and reading it. So the Giants, they're the hardest schedule, Pittsburgh, Chicago, San Francisco, and the Rams. So the Rams, their run defense is going to be terrible. They lost every single linebacker they had, and they're just completely rebuilding. San Francisco didn't lose a single thing. Yeah, they lost Buckner, replaced him with Kinlaw, but it's a D-tackle. There's not much to learn while playing D-tackles. So I'm not and too worried about beast. that. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not worried about that at all. Um, their defense, unless I'm missing someone, they didn't miss a beat in terms of uh, wherever. Yeah, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head if they actually Full lost team. anyone. Full team backup. And then Chicago, they didn't lose anyone. Added um, edge rusher, uh, Robert Quinn. Pittsburgh's defense is returning with Big Ben in the first game. I think, I think the giant, like I just think the whole culture there is going to be just booming if Big Ben is all shaved up and ready to go or whatever is going on there. But what I'm trying to say is that against the Pittsburgh Steelers, Chicago Bears, which the team's not that great, and the Niners, it's going to take a lot more for this Giants offense just to try to compete. And I don't know if that's handing the ball to Saquon 20 plus times. So that's when you kind of take it into consideration. Like, don't just say they play a hard schedule, they're going to throw the ball so Saquon's done. You have to, like, look at, are they going to be down by two scores? Will his volume be efficient? Like, how much yards per carry does his team allow? Stuff like that. So I probably weigh this a little more than the easy schedules, I could say. Um, But still, just an indicator, not much of a decision maker. I totally agree with that, man. And I think this comes down, this kind of like goes in the um, in the realm of like following coach speak through the off season. It's like, I listen to the positive stuff, um, but I don't really consider it most of the time because everybody's in the best shape. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's ready to fucking go. Everybody's got their best opportunity of their career, all this shit. Coaches love all the players, blah, blah, blah. I do listen loud and clear though to the negative 
when a player's not performing or the player's not actually healthy or the player may not actually get that position dealt with or as many touches or not be a part of the pass game for whatever reason, I really pay attention to that shit. And furthermore, I do uh, with schedules as well. So let me rally through um, from 32 to 23, 32 being the worst fantasy football schedule for running backs and then uh, moving up to 23 and then we'll break everybody down. So as you mentioned, the Giants have the worst. So that's Saquon Barkley. Now, we come right off the top. There's no reason not to draft Saquon Barkley. However, these are the type of things that we mentioned in the quarterback episode. This could be a you know decision maker um, when you're looking at the number one spot. And if for some reason you don't have Saquon in your number two, then maybe the number three spot. But if you're looking at Saquon or CMC at the top and you're looking at schedules potentially, right? Christian McCaffrey's 21, but he's Christian McCaffrey. Saquon Barkley's 32, but he's Saquon. But again, if you're putting those against each other, that might be uh, uh, an indicator as well. So Giants have the worst schedule. Next up, the um, the uh, uh, Bengals, which, you know, um, I'm sorry, I have these I have these backwards here. So we have the Giants, and then we have the Browns, which obviously I'm going to let you go in on the Browns for sure. Uh, and then we have uh, the Bengals, and we have the Jaguars, we have the uh, Cowboys, we have the Arizona Cardinals, we have the Lions, the Tennessee Titans, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Rams. All those teams right there are potentially um, not not ideal, maybe for for you know the first four weeks. And again, if teams struggle, then we're going to be able to maybe find those players later on for drafts. So, how are you feeling about some of these teams here um, that I just mentioned? And um, you know, I'll clean this up a little bit here and, and rally them back off as I was looking at the wrong sheet, I think. But uh, why don't you go in quickly on on some of these teams that that don't have the best matchups? I mean, we're talking about you know Miles Sanders, who already is is kind of a question mark. Um, Le'Veon Bell, who we just mentioned, uh, the you know the the uh, the Houston Texans with David Johnson, um, Dalvin Cook. Do you take into consideration with that? Derrick Henry's number twenty four. How do you feel about some of these guys with the stronger um, stronger schedules. Yeah, I think that, I mean, you touched on the Browns, so I'll go ahead and talk to them. I'll talk about them first. So to start, um, obviously it's measured differently, but the running back, um, just efficiency for the Browns, first four weeks of the rush efficiency defense. Actually, the Browns are number five up there right now. So I think it's a very good spot where you could, personally, I think the Browns are just going to try and run the ball 20, 30, probably 30 times a game. 20 carries, 22 carries to Chubb, eight to Hunt, maybe two catches to Chubb or two targets, sorry, and like six, seven targets to Hunt. I think they're going to be – honestly, I think they're going to be a good stack in fantasy. I know it's probably not the best idea, but I think it's a year where we can easily do that. They invested in the O-line. I love it, yeah. it's It's like a Kamara and you could say Ingram two years ago or even Murray. Like Murray, honestly, like has standalone value too, uh, not to the extent Mark Ingram did, but – yeah, I don't know. I'm not really worried about Cleveland um, in terms of the running backs. I'm probably going to stay away from Baker, OBJ, and Landry just because they're going to try and run the ball, and I don't know what's going on there. I mean, Landry's still hurt, you know, and apparently Odell was hurt after he had a bad season. Like, if he would have, like, maybe won some games, he probably wouldn't have been hurt, that type of scenario. So, <laughs> I'm not too worried about that. Um, in terms of – I only listed off the Broncos. They had the fourth, like, hardest strength of schedule, like, in terms of win totals. So – I was probably staying away from their backfield anyways because I don't know what the hell is going to happen. I think that we're – the Broncos are moving to a zone scheme run style. So that helps out both Gordon and Lindsey. Lindsey had a couple of drops last year making people think he was a bad pass catcher, but he also had 
Joe Flacco, Brandon Allen, and Drew Locke, who didn't check the ball down because he just chucked the ball downfield. So I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that Lindsey's the bad pass catcher, but Gordon's a better pass catcher. So maybe he has value, but he's going to be drafted in the third round anyway. So I would just stay away because they're probably going to be in – I don't know, I don't know necessarily have negative game scripts, but they're going to be in a lot of sort of shootout-type games. I know they're going to want to run the ball, and they have Pat Shermer. So it's kind of contradicting to what they're trying to do. Um, so we'll see. Sanders, I don't know. This part of me like really likes Sanders. They're actually number three in terms of explosive rush defense the whole season. So, like, I mean, like, I don't really know it's measured as explosive, but I'm assuming it's a big play. Sanders is the type of guy to do that. But yet again, people still think that they're not going to be a running back by committee, and I've been saying it the whole time. They're going to. Coaches don't change. Like, a coach that's successful does not change his motto just because they're going to try and get Freeman Hyde. Like, it's being obvious, and everyone's sitting here saying, like, I'm not worried, but everyone was worried last year. Not worried, but they were, like, um, sort of slowing it down last year when Jordan Howard is there. Strong feeling that Carlos Hyde and Devontae Freeman are better running backs than Jordan Howard. So I just, I'm not necessarily going to stay away. I might have them in one or two leagues, but I'm not going to invest a lot. The Chiefs, I, I mean, I have CEH above Jacobs. I think he's going to catch 70, 70 passes. I could care less if he only gets 60 carries all year. I just think that the offense is going to be so good that it's not going to matter. Um, his ADP would be kind of high, but maybe one or two leagues there. Oh, gosh, the Jets. I. I don't know. They got Joe Flacco today, like an hour before we were recording this, too. I don't know oh, if you man, saw I that. Missed that. I, was, I was out running some errands, and, uh, man, I missed – breaking news. Jeez. I know, dude. They, uh, I, missed, uh, I missed that they picked up my boy Uncle Flacco. That's great that he's got a new home. Good for him. Yeah, they finally got a Super Bowl person on that roster, for sure. Maybe it'll inspire the culture there. I mean, Bell is probably as safe as you can get in terms of uh, just like a – he's like an upgraded David Montgomery. I guess so I'll probably have him in quite a bit just to be safe, but it's just not great. Um, That's this, this is one thing I want to pause really quick. This is one thing, and you and I, again, we, we try to do this with as much individual and collective integrity as possible. We are not uh, one of those podcasts or duos that like purposely disagree on a bunch of shit for hot takes and like get all fired up and yell at each other. And like, we're not fucking, you know, Stephen A and Skip Bayless by any means. Uh, we also don't generally agree on everything, but we do agree a lot just in the processes that you and I both take individually and we report to each other and it ends up that a lot of our thoughts are similar. However, this is one that you and I talk about every time we mock draft when we were talking about it in the dynasty league and all this shit. <clears throat> I've been on this like two year anti Le'Veon Bell situation and I get it. I understand his potential, but I'm actually excited for you to, if, if, you know, Chris and the commission don't get them before us in all these drafts, you scoop up Le'Veon Bell everywhere you can because you're going to find value. You like to get him in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. Awesome. I'm going to pass most of the time. And then I'm going to grab somebody else. We'll, we'll agree on maybe, maybe Mostert. I'll stick with him and you fade him. And then we'll just see what happens at the end of the year. Cause I think it's going to be interesting to see if Le'Veon Bell can actually come through with this. And now he's got the 30th, the, the, the third worst schedule in the league on top of all this other garbage that he has to deal with in uh, New York. Man, I'm terrified. He's at the Bills. First of all, that's, a, that's an L for sure, and that's a tough game against the Bills. He's got the 49ers, who had the best rush defense last year. Then he's at the uh, Colts, who actually surprisingly had the, uh, were the 24, uh, 25th um, 
matchup last year. And then he's got Denver Broncos at home as well, which is also tough. So, and not to mention, he's got your boy, Frank Gore, the hall of oh, famer God. there to, to, to get more rushing touchdowns and Le'Veon Bell. And that's definitely a hot take. I'm going to stand by um, that. Frank Gore has more rushing touchdowns than Le'Veon Bell. But anyway, I just want to jump on my soapbox one more time uh, to just make the case that I'm not backing this up. If he falls to me in like the sixth round, then I'll scoop him. Sure. But like, I am worried about it in this 30th uh, schedule is not making any cases for Le'Veon Bell. In the yeah, league. for sure. All right, so I'm going to touch on two more. Derrick Henry, um, like I said, the data might be different from what we're looking at. But in terms of rush efficiency defense, um, he's number one. The Titans are. He's going to get 300-plus touches. They're going to use up that franchise tag they have on him. They could care less if he gets injured at the end of the year because then they just won't sign him back. Uh, like I said, I have him at number five. I might move him ahead of Zeke. I just think – they're going to see McCarthy's never fed a workhorse. I know everyone's like, he's never had one. He had Eddie Lacy in the one year that he went off. He still didn't feed him that much. So we'll see how that plays out. But I think Derek Henry's just going to get run to the ground again. Everyone's going to say it's not sustainable, whatever, whatever. They said that every single week and he kept doing it. So I don't think in off season and only the, the, the team really only got better. They replaced Conklin with, I think one of the best run blockers in the class last year added a couple defensive pieces. Um, I mean, they're right back to where they wanted. They got Tannehill under contract. Now a whole offseason of Tannehill, I think they're going to have a great trajectory to matching what they did last year. So I like Henry there in that spot. The Vikings, um, yeah, Cook has a hard schedule, so just go draft Madison anyways because Cook has a 56% chance of getting re-injured, high injury, re, re, high re-injury risk on sports injury predictor. So just go get Madison. Just don't even don't even try. Like, I rank him high because you have to, but like, you know it's coming. I don't know why. People will say just go draft Madison if you get Cook. Like, yeah, that's a strategy. Or I'll just go take Zeke and then take Madison later and then just have two starting running backs in the same boat. So I I don't mind the whole handcuff strategy, but, like, to an extent, you can't just keep saying, like, take Cook and overpay on Madison. Just overpay on Madison in general because the, the upside is there with him. And then the Bucks. I want nothing to do with this backfield. Like, I – it's so differing on Twitter because, first off, they went out and drafted Vaughn when they have a young running back in Rojo. I don't know and I don't care who the better running back is. Everyone's saying Rojo's better. He had all these stats. But if Rojo was so good, he would have been able to – Really? Oh, I, mean, I just like, disagree that Rojo's better. I think Keyshawn, Keyshawn yeah, Vaughn's better. I, I don't know who's better. And if Rojo was apparently the better running back, like Twitter's saying, then he would have been able to not let Peyton Barber have 150 carries or whatever he had last year. <laughs> Or if he's a decent pass catcher, like people think, Darai Ogunwabale would not be the main pass catcher. So I don't really want anything to do with this backfield. And then on top of that, they're going to be like the fifth option in this offense behind Evans, Godwin, most likely Gronk, as gross as that is, probably O.J. Howard, Tyler Johnson, the two downfield burners. I just don't really want anything to do with it. Um, yeah, so I just – I it's just gross anyway. Like if I had to pick one backfield to stay away from, It'll definitely be them and then probably the Broncos close behind. Okay, really? So you don't want a part of the Broncos either? I get it. No, not really. Okay. All right. So that pretty much runs through every team. Again, worst uh, to, let's see, 32 to 23, 32 being the worst. That's the Giants, the Texans, the Jets, the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Broncos, the Browns, Vikings, Titans, 
and Buccaneers. Um, you've covered pretty much everybody, so I, I will just go down the list very quick with, with some thoughts. Saquon Barkley has the worst schedule, as does Daniel Jones. I'm probably willing to draft both of them. Daniel Jones, I will punt until the end of my drafts, and if I skip on him, no worries. He'll probably get drafted or uh, dropped, as we mentioned last week, and I'll pick him up for free on waivers anyway. Um, and again, this is for redraft, of course. Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley. Uh, we'll go into rankings um, tomorrow, but we'll have the discussion, of course, of who's at the top, CMC or, or Saquon. For me personally, I'm taking this into consideration, though, him having the toughest schedule. Versus Pittsburgh, gnarly. At the Bears, don't like that either. The 49ers as well, and then at the Rams, who, yes, could get gutted, but, you know, having Darnold up front is, uh, is, is still pretty nasty. So uh, I like that a lot. Um, Houston, I don't want any part of that backfield anyway. I mean, I might be able to get some David Johnson late, but I don't like that. Le'Veon Bell, I already mentioned. CEH, I'm willing to have only because I think, like, the check down is, is awesome. Now he's going to be expensive, so I don't know if I'm willing to have him as my RB1, but I'll, I'll take that all day even with um, – you know, I, I just think you're talking about game script. So he's got Houston. I think they roll him. That's the third easiest matchup against the run la the predicted. I think that's going to be awesome. Then he's got the Chargers, which is the eighth easiest. I like that a lot as well. Even against the Baltimore Ravens, who's the 26th matchup, which is tough. I think that that's check down city all day for Mahomes. I think that's going to help out CEH for sure. And then he's got New England the next week, 29th um, matchup. I think that's going to be another check down city as well. So I think CEH escapes this because of his – pass catching specialty um sanders i'm with you man i'm high on sanders right now we'll talk about him tomorrow of course uh and i'll go into all that but i do think they bring in a veteran so that would obviously hurt him it is a mess in denver i'm a little bit more confident in um melvin gordon but again not not excited about these first four weeks at Tennessee or Tennessee at home, I don't like that. At Pittsburgh, he's got the Bucks thirty-first against the run last year, surprisingly, and then at the Jets, all tough matchups. I do like Chubb um, more than I think most people, just because I think they're going to run crazy with Stefanski. I'm with you that Kareem Hunt is a great stack there. Dalvin Cook's Dalvin Cook. Um, I actually am very high on Dalvin Cook, which I'll get into tomorrow. Derrick Henry, I'm kind of fading anyway outside of the general public. At Denver, I don't like that. Jacksonville's cake. Uh, he crushes them anyway. I think he's got like nine touchdowns in the last. Yeah. Yeah. He's they took it they they took it off That's Thursday just, night. They took it off Thursday night. Every year it's the Thursday night game where Henry runs for like three hundred and three and Leonard Fournette shit. gets like well last year Fournette had a sixty nine yard run to start the game. Finished with um sixty seven or something. Sixty six right? or sixty seven like total lost. yards. And then Gardner Minshew put up like six points and everyone thinks he's a good fantasy option last year. So Holy shit. Yeah, so Derrick Henry's Derrick Henry, but I'm fading him overall a little bit as well. And then again, I am about the Keyshawn Vaughn life. I just think he's the new James White and Tom Brady needs that no matter the system. Uh, I think Rojo's going to get faded pretty quickly. Um, and Agumbo Ale, I think is fine actually, uh, but I just think that Keyshawn Vaughn is, is um, going to be able to pass up there. So again, that breaks down the toughest four weeks. Um, I'll go through the easiest four weeks one more time and the toughest four weeks. And again, uh, we'll just close it out here with maybe uh, some names that we'll be targeting because of potentially their schedule who get a bump. Let's start with the easiest four weeks on the schedule, Lucas, and I'll get who maybe you're most excited about drafting wise here. So again, Patriots, Bears, Seahawks, 49ers, Saints, Cowboys, Bengals, Bills, Dolphins, and Packers. Of that list, who are maybe the three – that get a bump for you uh, based on schedule alone in the first four weeks? Yeah, it'd be David Montgomery probably is the main one. Michelle, I'm not going to move much higher than like my 25, 26, uh, just because he is not going to catch passes. Montgomery could slide in a little more passes. Give him yeah. 
Uh, Zach Moss, probably. I'll probably have him in quite a bit of leagues as like my RB4 or 5, just because I think that, especially at the beginning of the year, if he can pick up steam and kind of just not have the Bills need to bring in Singletary. That may, obviously, Singletary is going to be the starter, but if Moss goes for 10 and 80, 10 and 80, 15 and 80, like I think that the Bills are a team where they're not going to be like, yeah, we're so good. We're going to run five different backs. Like They're like, oh, we're winning. We're going to keep doing what we're doing because they – I mean, it's the Bills, like nothing against the Bills. It's just how it is. Um, and then the Ravens, we didn't really talk about that much, but their schedule is cake. Yep. I might have leagues where, I mean, the one draft we did, we had all three. I might have many leagues where I have all three. Um, the Titans, like I said, they have the number one rush efficiency. I'll probably have Derrick Henry in quite a bit. Um, I think he could be – it'll kind of depend, but I think that he will be a great value at the end of the first round to pair with, like – a Julio Jones or even a Devontae Adams or something. I think that's just like such a good sort of like safe stack, but like we've seen the upside that could easily win you leagues and then you go build below that. But I think Montgomery, Moss, and probably I'd say Derrick Henry is probably my top three. Okay. I'm going to give uh, I'm going to give an extra little nod to um, Chris Carson while he's healthy, but I do think they bring somebody else in. Uh, James White, I think it's a nudge because I really do. He's like I said, he's 21 right now, but I could see him maybe inside the top 20, depending on how that offseason goes. Um, and then I want to give a boost to Mostert as well at number four. I think he's just kind of slept on right now because there's so many running backs. I don't believe in Tevin Coleman. I don't believe in Jarek McKinnon. I've already come on the podcast, which I know sounds fucking crazy right now to be touting Jeff Wilson Jr., who nobody even knows. But I did the same shit two years ago with Raheem Mostert, and now. He's Raheem Mostert, so I'm not saying that I have all the answers, but uh, I do follow the team closer than every other NFL team because I'm just a childhood fan, and that's what I truly believe. So I I do think Mostert gets the edge there because I just don't see the other guys taking significant work from him. And then I want to give a a quick nod to Jordan Howard. Um, He's not sexy. Breed is there to catch passes, but Jordan Howard has been very efficient over his years in Chicago, he had a great rookie season. Tariq Cohen came in and kind of mixed that up, and then they were just unsure with Nagy first year. Last year, he was actually far better than Miles Sanders before he got injured. Um, and, and Miles Sanders probably wouldn't have even been a thing, to be honest with you, last year in Philadelphia if Jordan Howard played 16 games. So Jordan Howard is, is kind of perennially slept on. He's not sexy, but he is a guy that I can grab in like – the sixth or seventh round who is a starter and is going to give me 12 to 15 fantasy points a week with the upside of two, three touchdowns any given week there. So he's a great RB three, I think uh, kind of for free in that range there. So I like that based on the ninth best schedule. All right, man, let's do the same exercise really quick for the toughest and we'll get out of here. I'm going to run down the uh, toughest schedules Uh, again, 32nd being worse to 23. Let me know three, players that you're fading based on the schedule. So Saquon Barkley uh, up at the top of the Giants. Then we have um, the Houston Texans, the Jets, the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Broncos, the Browns, the Vikings, Texans, or excuse me, the Titans, Vikings, Titans, and Buccaneers. um, Well, Bucks, like I said, I'm just going to completely avoid that. Probably Sanders. I think we'll see Sanders slide in end of round one ADP. Um, if if they go get like a Lamar Miller or I think they talked about bringing Shady back, which if I had to place money, I think that's what's going to happen. People are just going to totally neglect that. Um, it, I don't know. People just don't see like, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> people operate with the way they think about veterans coming in. Like you don't bring a veteran in unless you're going to feed them. Like Le'Veon Bell, he went from like 21 carries opportunities last year to, I think like they, you don't bring in a 36 year old backup 
in Frank Gore to like not give him work. So I think we'll see Le'Veon Bell maybe go down to seventeen you, carries. Worried about it. Straight up worried it's, about it. It's he's still an RB two for sure though, just because he's gonna. I don't know. The they got Joe Flacco. They got to lead Joe Flacco now. Um, sure. Broncos. I mean, I think Lindsey maybe if he falls, just because the upside is there. If Gordon, where he has injury history, gets hurt, or maybe Lindsey's the. I don't know. I don't really know what's going to happen there because they're not just going to not give Lindsey the ball either because he just ran for a thousand yard back to back season. So it's interesting what's going to happen there. Um, and then Dalvin Cook, just in general, I'm just not going to mess around with that. I think where Cook's probably going to go is I'd rather take uh, Adams or Thomas um, from kind of in that, like, what, probably the 106, 107 range. So I'll just probably stay away from them. Okay. I think that's another point of contention we'll have to get into tomorrow because I, I just I feel differently about Dalvin Cook. And I hear you about the injuries, but if you if you take the injury con- uh, consideration out, which I know you can't just avoid that, but if you take that away from the yeah. conversation, there's nothing negative to say about him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we'll, we'll talk about that tomorrow. A uh, couple of guys I'm going to fade a little bit. David Johnson, again, like I want to believe in him. I'm actually – I do think he's got some left in the tank. He's got the Chiefs first week of the season. Um, which is, you know, sixth best matchup. It's just great. But after that, Baltimore at Pittsburgh and then Minnesota, I don't like that at all. There is a chance where David Johnson comes out of the gate. He's not very successful and pretty much loses work, loses snaps. The Texans are losing every game, which we already talked about could happen in the quarterback episode. And they're just fucking chucking it. And it's Duke Johnson's job all day long. So I'm worried about David Johnson, unfortunately, as much as I'm rooting for him. Miles Sanders, I do think they bring in a vet. I am worried about him overall. I've got him ranked high right now because they don't have a vet. But when they bring him in I'm going to be I'm going to be booting him out quite a bit um and again he's got Washington right off the bat which is a nice matchup after that it's the Rams Bengals aren't so bad but then San Francisco I don't like that either Boston Scott's still around maybe a veteran a little bit concerned there and then uh, Derek Henry I just mentioned um at Denver I don't like Jacksonville he crushes at Minnesota then Pittsburgh Derek Henry's going to get work but he's usually not Derek Henry until the second half of the season what I would like to do maybe is take the risk not draft Derrick Henry and and pick up a top tier receiver or maybe um, you know a uh, 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 Nick Chubb even who's got his own question marks but I think we'll have that value early in the season and then maybe flip those guys late in the season because I would love to get Derrick Henry when he wakes up about week eight to ten and then ride him through the playoffs potentially because that's just historically what happens with those bigger backs the weather gets cold nobody wants to tackle guys like that we see it every single season so I would rather fade Derrick Henry early unless I get value and try to buy him for cheap later in the season and then have Chubb early ride that wave until Kareem Hunt really gets a roll and then maybe fade him and, and maybe flip those two guys mid-season so that's my thought there. All right, bro, that breaks it down for the running back fantasy schedules, the uh, easiest schedules, the toughest schedules, and the first four weeks, something to consider when you're looking at uh, player positions, you're looking at RBBCs, running back by committees, and you're looking at rookies trying to get some opportunities. So we will have to revisit this as the summer goes on, but as of right now, those are the um, top easiest schedules uh, for the first four weeks and the season and the toughest schedules for the first four weeks and the season for fantasy football running backs make sure to subscribe to the youtube channel and leave a comment and let us know how you feel about these schedules maybe some guys that you're now going to be targeting or fading depending on their schedule alone and also make sure to leave a rate and review on the podcast if you're listening and make sure to tune into our youtube channel if you haven't already podcasters i know we're trying to bring the audience from the podcast over to youtube as well so make sure to hit that subscribe button follow us on instagram at fantasy football underscore tck pod and on twitter at tck underscore pod you can find all of our rankings as we release them and update them 
on our website and articles to come as well. More information on the draft kit dropping again in July. We've got the TCK Pod Listener League that's going to be coming up as well. More information on that via our website, tckpod.com. And we have, of course, our fantasy football page on uh, Facebook at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football. Lucas, any last notes on the running back schedules or shall we get into our rankings? Let's get into the rankings. Awesome, man. We'll see you all tomorrow. Have a wonderful Tuesday. We'll check you tomorrow for our rankings. Thursday, we have a mock draft. For Lucas Kaser, I'm Scott Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.